Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Hot Takes with M. I am so excited to be back. Feeling a lot better, so definitely excited to break down some things that we've seen over the past couple weeks, chat about it, and then y'all gonna drop y'all opinions down, questions and comments in the comment section, and follow me on my Twitter, my Facebook, Spotify, and basically wherever else you listen to podcasts. Hot takes with them across all platforms. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it. So the first thing we're going to get into is NBA All-Star Weekend. We had talked about that briefly in the last episode, dropping picks of who's going to win things. Yeah, I didn't do good on any of them picks. <laughs> the weekend definitely went a lot different than I was anticipating, but, eh, you know, it was all for fun in the end of the day anyway. Um... We did see a lot of great competition. We saw some surprises. And we also saw some things were like, yeah, let's not do that again. So let's go ahead and get into it with like the skills challenge, for instance. I believe I called Team All-Stars and Team Pacers ended up winning, which obviously makes sense. It was in Indiana. So, I mean, they got to put on. So I really should have called them anyway. But it was still exciting to see. All-Stars pretty much let me down. <laughs> From the jump, but no big deal. Um, skill skills challenge was very fun and interesting, regardless. And I'm glad they were able to bring one home for the home team because it's been a minute, really, since you know Indiana's had a lot to celebrate or win. You know, because they're really in that rebuilding type of mode. I mean, they have a lot of nice young talent, you know, that's coming together, but they just haven't been able to make some of that playoff noise that we had seen when like Paul George was there, Lance Stevenson. But they do have, you know, a nice little combination with Tyrese Halliburton and, you know, Miles Turner up there, Jalen Smith, Benedict, Benedict Madurden, Madurden. I'm pretty sure I butchered his last name, but Benedict. I know it's his first name, Benedict, and so many others. So definitely excited to see what they continue to do. But this was great for the home team to win, obviously. Then we had the Starry three-point contest. Uh, Dame Lillard ended up winning. No surprise there, honestly. <laughs> um, did not pick him, but no surprise there. I mean, he had to still show that he was him. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of had not expected a whole lot from him because Milwaukee had kind of been up and down this season. You know, he did get the trade that he wanted out of the Portland, but he kind of had got maybe a little forgotten about in the East because of, you know, Milwaukee not really playing the greatest. And then obviously, you know, them firing their coach and then bringing Doc Rivers in and still not really looking all that much better or whatever than the leadership was seeking. So this was his way to really just bring it back. <laughs> like, it's still game time around here. Still got a lot to give, even if the team is not where we expected to be. But they have definitely come out of this break, and they look great. I think it's really starting to come together. Don't think that it's going to lead to them being anything crazy because, I mean, we've seen Doc Rivers, like I said, flame out in so many different locations. The Clippers, Philly, now he's here in Milwaukee. I don't see that that's a huge change. I don't even know why the change was made in the first place. I think it's very like what was going on. I mean, there were some talks that it was perhaps, you know, because the coach was saying something about Giannis's brother, but those were, those reports seem to be refuted. So it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But we'll continue to, you know, watch and observe to see what happens. But ultimately, Dame Lillard won. Still Dame time. No surprise. <laughs> so congrats to Dame Lillard. Then we saw the Stefan and Sabrina three-point challenge. This was a little something different, but 
this was there basically for them to raise money for their charities and things of that nature. So it was really good. And Sabrina actually held her own. I mean, she did better than pretty much everybody else in the field except for Steph. <laughs> so I think it was a great show to show that it doesn't matter where the line is at. If you can shoot, like she said, you can shoot. It doesn't matter where the line is at. You know, she shows that she can shoot from an NBA line, WNBA line, it doesn't matter. And it was ultimately good to see for young girls and young boys as well to see that it those two athletes at the highest, you know, peaks of their sport, that they can come together and put on a performance that will be remembered for a very, very long time. You know, and like I said, Sabrina still held her own. She did better than a majority of the people that were in the actual three-point contest. She just lost the stuff because stuff is just out of this world, you know. He's one of the greatest shooters that we've ever seen, if not the greatest shooter. <laughs> and especially he revolutionized the game with the three ball, you know. But I think they should definitely run it back when it's WNBA All-Star Weekend. I think that would definitely be interesting to see. But Sabrina definitely set the bar, and it was a very fun challenge to watch. Getting into the slam dunk contest, there was a lot of kind of um, – I don't even know what it was. I don't even know what to call it, but it was a lot of just like, eh, you know, about it. I mean, especially with, you know, Jalen Brown, he just didn't do a whole lot, yet he ended up being in the final round. Some people felt that there were more impressive dunks by the other participants, but Jalen Brown ended up getting it for whatever the reason. Ultimately, Max McClung won, so I think the dude belongs to be on the NBA roster. I mean, this is what his second time winning the slam dunk contest. He can definitely help somebody. He just needs an opportunity, like, in longer than, like, I don't know, 10-day contract or whatever they give him. Like, give him a couple of games to really come up. Probably not going to happen in Orlando because they already have a ton of guards anyway. So, probably not for Orlando. But anybody who needs, like, a spark plug, I think, entertainment value, I think that's what my ex McClung could definitely bring. But the dunk contest, I mean, has pretty much been down somewhat these past couple of years. So, I can't really, you know, be all that upset about it because it just, it just was okay anyway. Um, last time we really got a really good dunk contest was when Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine went at it, you know. But after Aaron Gordon got robbed those couple of times, like, then he just basically just didn't do it anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the dunk contest is what it is. I mean, it's still entertaining. I think they definitely could improve it by actually, you know, getting real dunkers or something, I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of just been a contest that you do look forward to, but you know it's going to let you down at the same time, it, yeah, <laughs> and then getting into the actual all-star game, the actual all-star game was very interesting, very entertaining, high scoring game, which is to be expected, uh, Carl Anthony Towns put on an absolute clinic, <laughs> and yeah, it was a really, really great game, got to see the athletes compete at the highest level, you know, even LeBron, even though he was, you know, somewhat hurt, he still played in the game. It's fun. And it's always, it's, I mean, it's always been a pretty decent thing to watch. It was a very good product this year. Damian Lillard went crazy in this game as well. You know, he still showed that he is here, he alive, and he is Dame time. As simple as that. Halliburton had a great game, you know, put on for the hometown crowd, basically. Jalen Brown, especially after his kind of a debacle, you know, the dunk contest, he put on a clinic himself, you know, so really, really great game, really fun weekend, overall was interesting, entertaining to watch, but I think there's definitely some things that need to look to change to make it just a little bit more interesting, you know, and make people really 
want to watch the product overall. But, I mean, they do have different things. They added, like I said, the Sabrina and Steph thing was a nice addition, I do believe. Um, and having just the different teams, like for the skill competition, breaking those down into different teams, like hometown crowd, I think that definitely adds another factor for sure. So, well, we'll see. All-Star Weekend is going to always, you know, be fun to watch regardless. I mean, they do pretty much let, you know, a huge scoring output to happen. But, you know, eventually it does get really, really competitive. So, great game, great weekend. You know, the teams have come out the break. They look sharp. I think some of the teams, like we were talking about earlier with the Buck, they've started to look a whole lot better. Um, those additions that were made at the trade deadline, the Dallas Mavericks on a winning streak, you know, guy got broken last night with the Cleveland Cavaliers on such an amazing, amazing shot by Max Struess. But it was a great, great game, though. It wasn't a blowout or anything. It was a great game. You know, Minnesota has looked great. Sacramento is really coming together. Denver, you know, the Lakers look good. The Knicks, you know, and then the Heat, you know, they're on a winning streak of their own. It's just, it's a weird thing that whenever the calendar flips and we get to the second half of the season, like the Heat flip a whole nother switch. So, very, very strange, but I'm happy because I'm a Heat fan, so it doesn't bother me. But I'm excited to see what my team can do going down the stretch because we're, <laughs> we're always competitive for whatever the reason. The Spurs definitely are coming along nicely. I mean, this is definitely a rebuilding year for them, but having Victor Wimbiana in there, you know, that's the definite rookie of the year, and there's no doubt about that. Coming in, coming in, you know, I think it's going to provide some stability for them and then give them somebody to really build around because they had a lot of nice pieces, but Victor is able to kind of start bringing that together and have that team start gelling. So as we get closer and closer down the stretch, we're going to see who comes out on top and how these playoff seedings shake out, you know, and what these playoff matches are going to look, gonna look like because that's really where the action, all the fun's really going to get started in. So... Yeah. All right, let's move over to the NFL. And news, we have the NFL Combine this week, and there's been a lot of talk about what the Chicago Bears are going to do, especially with Justin Fields, because they do have the number one overall pick. So what will they be doing with him? Will they be trading him? Will they be keeping and building around him? I think, honestly, they need to build around him. He was hurt at certain points throughout throughout the last season. And they did bring DJ Moore in, which is like his number one receiver, but they need to bring more weapons and actually build around him, get him more of an offensive line and get a couple more receivers. And I think they'll find much greater success. I mean, obviously you don't expect for your star, you know, your quarterback to get hurt, but unfortunately it happened because they played their backups. I mean, they played the, the undrafted free agent, you know, from last year's rookie class. He's a rookie himself. And that really hurt the chemistry that he was trying to build with, you know, Cole Komet and DJ Moore and some of the other gadget guys on his team. But he needs to get one more, you know, big time dude, like maybe even a Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bauer, just somebody on that offensive side of the ball, you know, that can really help him to continue to elevate and grow. You know, we've seen what happens when a quarterback gets, you know, that guy. Jalen Hurts' game basically went to another level when he got A.J. Brown. Dak Prescott, same way with Amari Cooper, right? Deshaun Watson, when he had DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Tua, when he got Tyreek. Josh Allen, when he got Stephon Diggs, and the list goes on and on and on, right? So you got to give your guy actual time to develop, build chemistry with 
their guy, you know, and bring additional people in that can complement what they're doing. Example, Tua has Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, right? That had Amari Cooper, and he still does have C.D. Lamb, right? When you look at it, you know, Patrick Mahomes even, he had Tyreek Hill and then Travis Kelsey. It was always having, you know, kind of a 1A, 1B, or one dude, and then having that second dude that was still a dude, but, you know, could definitely be another one receiver on another team, such as what Joe Burrow has up in Cincinnati with Tyreek, I mean, not Tyreek Hill, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase, you know. Those dudes, you know, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd could easily be number one options on somebody else's team, but they're all in Cincinnati, which means they draft incredibly well, for one. But two, that gives a lot of people for Joe Burrow to continuously build around and grow with. So I think that the Chicago Bears should definitely keep Justin Fields because you don't really know what you have in a Caleb Williams, a Drake May, a Jaden Daniels, or whatever direction they're trying to go. Those guys, they are unproven commodities on the NFL level. So you really don't know what you have or what you don't have, quite frankly. And what you don't want to do is, you know, you do trade Justin Fields hypothetically. You know, he does get to a system like Atlanta, for instance, who has a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, John Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. And then he balls out and then you get, you know, a Caleb Williams or Drake May who is now under immense pressure to perform, not only for being the number one overall pick or they trade down number two, number three or whatever, you know, perform because you just traded away this guy and then they don't excel, you know. It's very rare for, you know, a rookie quarterback to come in and just excel right off the bat. Sometimes it does take them some time, you know. It just takes them some time. That's just the way that it happens. You know, Josh Allen, for instance, he did not look all that good his first year. But he continuously kept getting better and better and better with development. Trevor Lawrence, same way. Even though he's kind of, you know, he looked better last year than he did this year for sure. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the flip of the coin. So I think them going in the direction of unproven commodity because of what's being theorized or what you think may happen with a particular player is not exactly the way to go as far as going with facts of what you do know, like even though Justin Fields hasn't been the greatest, I don't believe the system has been the greatest for him to perform in. I think the coach is part of the problem and that he doesn't have the weapons like we're talking about and an offensive line that really can help him maximize his talent. You got to get people around him that can maximize what your quarterback does very, very well and minimize what they don't do very, very well in order for you to be successful. So if they're smart, I believe they'll keep him. I mean, if not, you know, then that, like I said, they may come to regret it. I believe they come to regret the decision to trade Justin Fields personally. I just do. Because you just don't know. You just don't know what you don't know, honestly. You know, these guys look really good in college, you know, and things like that. But college to the NFL is a huge, huge transition and something very, very different. So the best course in action the Bears can do, keep Justin Fields, get more talent around him, go be great in the NFC North because the NFC North is a tough, tough beast. <laughs> Green Bay is only going to get better. The Lions were just there. <laughs> Literally. They were one game away, one couple of plays away from being in the Super Bowl. So they're only going to get better. You know. And then um, you have the the Vikings are in that division, right? Let me see. Let me 
see if I remember it. I believe the Vikings are in that division now with the Chicago Bears. I might be I'm probably, I might be wrong though. Nope, I'm right. <laughs> I'm right. I remember. But Minnesota, I mean, depending on what they do, you know, with you know Kirk Cousins, for instance, um, I think that'll really be the determining factor. Because if they don't really have Kirk Cousins, then I mean, I don't really see the purpose of them signing Jeff- Justin Jefferson to a record-setting contract. Because for what? Who's gonna throw him the ball? <laughs> you know, you throw him, you give him this gigantic contract, you basically handicap the rest of the room to do anything of significance. I mean, what are, what are they going to do? <laughs> you know, somebody's backup will be the starter, and then, you know, I don't really see Minnesota going anywhere. So that might not be your competition. But Green Bay and Detroit definitely are. <laughs> so you've got to go with the punches. You've got to roll and keep things rolling and continuously keep getting better, <laughs> you know. So we'll see what happens there, but I really do hope they keep him, really give him the opportunity, you know, to excel. And then getting into, you know, our pretty much our last thing is the running back contracts. We've seen a lot of the guys who were tagged last year, you know, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler. Basically, those teams are telling them they're about to hit the free agent market and they can go do what they please. And I think it ultimately comes down to that the running back is just not as valued as it once was. You know, it's not been like that for quite some time anyway. I mean, just look at the Chiefs, for instance. They, they had a seventh rounder run them to the Super Bowl the past two years, you know. There's just no real reason to have a guy that's, you know, a number one uh, number one pick for you. And what I mean by that is like a round one pick or a round two even, you know, because you can still find great, great value on round three, four, five, six, and seven, you know, because it's happened time and time and time again. You know, so it's going to be interesting with these contracts looking like, because, I mean, these guys pretty much are not going to be touching those big bags, I don't think. I believe that it'll be like kind of those one-year prove-it deals, something like Zeke Elliott signed once he got released from the Cowboys last year to go to the Patriots, because I don't think nobody wants to pay big money for a running back anymore, especially when they believe they can do it better when when it's younger and it's cheaper, really. <laughs> Younger and cheaper, it's just not a high-value position. The wide receiver, the quarterback, the cornerback, your D-lineman, your offensive lineman, yes. But the running back, no, they'll just put anybody behind there to run, really. You know, but I think for projections of where people go, per se, I would love to see Saquon in Dallas because he really is a three-down back. And that is something we missed last year is having somebody who was a three-down back that could just run between the tackles. You know, Tony Pollard is more like lightning <laughs> than he is thunder. <laughs> you need somebody that could just crash, go through the boards and stuff like that. You know, and I also want to see Deuce Vaughn play a little bit more, but I know he's really small, and I mean, you know, but he has such electricity about him. You just want to see him play a little bit more. And I think him and Saquon Barkley could really do something great, or even – him and Derrick Henry. I mean, I just don't see there's no purpose in signing Tony Pollard back again because we already saw how that worked out. It was not good. And he really didn't look all that good anyway. So I think of anything, he might end up in Washington, quite frankly. Dan Quinn, you know, the connections there, or even shoot the Eagles. I mean, everybody like going to the Eagles. <laughs> he signed for the Eagles, man. That's going to be tough to even deal with that dude being in the same division. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to do what's the best for you and your family. You know, 
I think Austin Eckler might be back in, you know, L.A. I mean, with Jeremy Harbaugh, he talks highly of him. I think they'd be able to figure something out, even if it's a short, you know, one-year prove-it deal, even though he's proved that he is a hell of a back, you know. 20-plus touchdowns in the past two, three years, you know, I would think, you know, you would want somebody like that in your team to take the pressure off of Justin Herbert, especially considering they've not done anything of significance, you know. They've gotten bitten with the injury bug, you know, a couple of times, or every year, actually, and hits them at the worst time, so. But, yeah. But Saquon, more likely I don't see him going back to the Giants, regardless if he signs with the Cowboys or not, but he's not going back to the Giants, I mean. They got, they got to figure out whether Danny Nolan's their guy, even though we all know he's not. <laughs> they need to just go ahead and wrap that up. Admit they made a mistake giving him that big money and look for another quarterback because Danny Nolan's not going to take them anywhere that they want to go. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. So, Saquon predictions. Uh, that's a tough one because it's about where does he really fit at. <laughs> I don't know if Derrick Henry's not going to be in Tennessee. Maybe he'd go to Tennessee. But that would be such a strange fit. And I think he wants to win. <laughs> you know, I think he wants to go somewhere he can win. Shoot. Who knows? He might end up with the Chiefs. One of these dudes might end up with the Chiefs. The Chiefs always find a way. You know, Chiefs are known for maximizing the talent out of players. Even when you like, they already have all the Infinity Stones, and then they just get another one. So who knows? <laughs> who knows, really? But anyways, y'all, thank y'all so much for listening, tuning in. This was a really fun episode. I'm looking forward to talking free agency with y'all in a couple of weeks because that's coming up. We're going to be able to talk about where these guys have landed and the projections we have for them next year. But thank you all so much for listening, tuning in, liking, sharing, and doing everything that y'all do. I really appreciate it, and it just means a lot to me. It really does. I really am appreciative and thankful of everything that y'all do. When you listen, you like, you share, you post, you comment, it all means very, very much to me. It means a lot. It really does. So thank you all so much for everything that you do. I appreciate you for listening to this episode. And just thank you all for being you. I appreciate y'all very, very much. And just thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. And with that, I'm going to see y'all in the next one. Y'all take care now. Peace.